0: Iron Man, Thor, The Incredible Hulk, Captain America, Hawkeye, Black Widow, and coming up, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. The countdown is on us two weeks till the Avengers, The Age of Ultron, comes out. Now, if you were one of those Avengers, which one would you be? You know, I've noticed that nobody ever wants to be the Incredible Hulk. Why is that? Big and green and angry. Not so much. Maybe some of you who are deer hunters that use a bow, you want to be Hawkeye, right? Make that perfect shot every time. But I think if you're like the first group, I think your predominant hero you'd want to be maybe would be Captain America, right? Right? Or maybe some of you want to be Thor, or those long flowing golden locks. Maybe you want to be Black Widow, although that name just doesn't sound very good. But you know, sometimes in life when we're facing difficulties, we wish we had superpowers, right? Sometimes as we read the Bible, we think that those people that we read of their stories, we think that they are superheroes. But I hope you've seen as we've journeyed through the story. Only have three more weeks counting this week. If we've journeyed through the story, I hope you've seen that these are ordinary, normal people infused by a supernatural power. But these people were like you and I. These people had flaws. These people had problems. Everything didn't always go like they wanted it to but because God worked in their life and because even more they opened themselves up to God working in their life they were able to do life-changing world-changing things I want to say to you today uh, that you can be a world changer you might say well you don't know I, I I don't talk that well or I don't have that important a position or listen If you change the person, one person, if you change the life of one person by your influence, by your witness, by your ministry, if you change the life, I'm talking about radically change that person from being all about me to all about Christ. If you take and change with your influence one person, then as that person lives and has a family following, there's going to be concentric circles of influence. Everyone in this room can be a world changer. How do we do that? We come today in our journey through the story of the life of Paul. Now, Paul was not always a Christian. In fact, as we meet Paul, his name was Saul. And Saul was trying to do everything he could to stamp out to eradicate the church. In fact, we first see him at the stoning of Stephen in Acts chapter 6. He's standing there while the people are throwing rocks to kill Stephen. And he's egging them on. He wants... Nothing more than the church to be wiped out. But in Acts chapter 9, we see that he has a fateful encounter on the Damascus Road. He sees a bright light as burning as the sun. And in that light is Jesus. He meets Jesus face to face. And after that, he's blinded. He goes to a place and through all those events... Through God's intervention in his life, his life takes a crossroad. And he goes the way of giving his life for the mission of Jesus Christ. The same mission that I hold out for you today as a possible way for you to be a world changer is to be all about the mission. You see, from that moment on, Paul became about Making and multiplying disciples of Jesus Christ, leading people to Jesus and equipping them to follow him. That is our mission statement. That's what we believe our lives should be about. That's what we believe should be the filter for the choices we make, for the investment of all the resources that we have our time, our energy, our spiritual gifts, our talents. This is a direction, this is a way to make a difference. Paul models for us four resources for world-changing influence. Four world-changing resources today I have for you modeled by Paul. The first is this, unstoppable commitment. Unstoppable commitment. Listen, <laughs> forget the Energizer Bunny. But forget Wolverine. Forget Iron Man. The, the one who could not be stopped... Though he faced much, and he, ordinary man that he is, not some fictional superhero character, ordinary person that he could be, he he could not be stopped was the Apostle Paul. We read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I've worked much harder, been in (laughs) prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Why was he in prison? Not because of some heinous crime, because he chose to put Jesus before the powers of the day. Five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. That is being beaten with a whip. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and day in the open sea, constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from from Gentiles, (coughs) in danger in the city, in danger in the country. Endanger sea and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Any one of those statements might have tempted us to stop. But Paul would not be stopped. Paul had an unwavering, unstoppable commitment. His attitude was that I will overcome with the help of God. I will overcome. Some of us perhaps have faced challenges, trials, because we're a Christian. Maybe some of us have yet to experience those. But friends, I I think you see that Paul, as he faced these, uh, these challenges, these trials, he became not less committed, more committed. Sometimes I think... Perhaps what we need is in our life is persecution, for Christ's sake. I think one of the greatest dangers to us making a world-changing difference in our life is complacency. It's allowing ourselves to spend way too much of our time and energy and focus on things that really don't matter in the end. That really don't make much of a difference. Paul shows us a different way, doesn't he? Acts chapter 14 and then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him out outside the, the city, thinking he was dead. Now listen, these people saw a lot of deaths by stoning. Thinking he was dead means he was with an inch of his life. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and, if it had been me, went as far as he could get away. No, he got up and went back into the city. The next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. He went back into the city to finish his ministry, to finish what he started. He finished. He was committed to finish. I wonder today, what avenues, what doors are ajar in your life, in your ministry for Christ? What things have been started but not finished? How much does complacency A lack of focus, a lack of mission, keep us from doing what God needs us to do. I don't know if you ever heard of the double duty day in NASCAR. In the NASCAR world, a double duty refers to a driver competing in both the Indianapolis 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 in the same day. That is a distance of about 1,100 miles. Now, if you've ever driven 1,100 miles in a day, how'd that feel? Like, you didn't want to wake up the next day, probably. It's amazing how driving wears you out like that. But now, amazing, uh, think about driving that at 180, 200 miles an hour. Not only that, but the Indianapolis 500 is in Indianapolis, Indiana. The Coca-Cola 600 is in Charlotte, North Carolina. It's no, no trick that only one person has accomplished that. Tony Stewart in 2001. And he finished 6th in the Indy 500 and 3rd in the Coca-Cola 600. Amazing. Well, last year, last spring, Kurt Busch said he was going to do the same thing. Kurt Busch wanted to accomplish the same thing. And he actually started well in the Indy 500. He finished 6th. Made it to the Coca-Cola 500 in time and started well. But he ended up not being betrayed by his own commitment, but by his engine. He blew his engine. Wasn't able to finish But what I wanted to bring that up to you is for this, to read to to you what he said about why he was doing this. To me, I've always tried to challenge myself in motorsports and to be a student of all kinds of cars, dirt tracks, road courses, super speedways, short track, open wheel, and of course, our stock cars. He said, that's my love, my passion, and it's in my blood. And it's my chance to challenge myself, to do something physically and mentally as a driver, And to show how tough NASCAR drivers are, I think that shows us mission. That shows us commitment. And were it not for a bulky engine, he might have accomplished something that had only been done once before. But as as impressive as that is, I, I want you to understand that I think so oftentimes we invest our unwavering commitment The things that in the end don't matter that much. Yes, to him racing means a lot. But what will it matter when the story of people's lives around him are done being written? What will your life matter? I think the testimony of what the difference of your life means to people around you will be in the things that you were committed to, the things that you were passionate about. And I hope it will be that you could say that everyone who knew you knew you were driven by the mission of making and multiplying disciples, of being the best disciple for Jesus you could be, and helping others to become. Because that is the thing that matters most. Second world-changing resource modeled by Paul is unsinkable joy, unsinkable joy. Joy. They said the Titanic was unsinkable; it sank. But when I say unsinkable joy, I say that not as a, uh, something that can, is pie in the sky, not something that's unattainable. Uh, over and over you see in Paul's life joy. Read with me in Acts chapter 13, beginning with verse 44. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict what Paul was saying and heaped abuse on him. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly. We had to speak the word of God to you first. Since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region but the Jewish leaders incited the God fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium (laughs) and the disciples were filled with depression. The disciples were filled with discouragement the disciples were filled with uh, joy is what it says. They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Listen, uh, make this modern day. Uh, two weeks ago, amazing, God brought 1,230 people here over four services on Easter weekend. I, I mean, who could ever imagine that? Now imagine after that weekend, we because the word gets out, that, that there's something going on over there at Northside that... Uh, and it's going it to happen maybe one day. Not We're not there yet, but may, they go, people get threatened by that. They start, they, they trump up charges on me and put me in prison. Because, you know, I'm. would I be filled with joy? I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. But it would not come from anything humanly I can do. That's what you need to hear. That joy is not conditional joy is not the same thing as happiness Samuel gordon put it joy is distinctly a christian word and a christian thing it is the reverse of happiness happiness is the result of what happens of an agreeable sort that is if good things happen around you you get a raise you find twenty dollars that girl says hi to you or yes i'll go out with you or boy you know, joy has its springs deep down inside. And that spring never runs dry, no matter what happens. Only Jesus gives that joy. It is an unknown word and thing, as, that, as except he has sway within. That is, joy can only come from God. Joy can only come... From knowing God through His Son Jesus Christ, from allowing His Spirit to live in and dwell in you. Joy. What is joy to me? It is a sense of well being, it's a sense of contentment, even if I'm going through tough times. It's a sense of knowing that God's gonna make things work and being able to look forward to the day, whatever it brings. It's commanded of us by Paul in Philippians 4, verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it, rejoice. That is a command. A command that it only happens if we're allowing him to fill us supernaturally. You see, Paul had this great impact because of that joy, I'm convinced. Because of his commitment to the mission. But as that joy was... Given out to others, it was contagious. That overflowing joy had a difference uh, it made a difference around him. Imagine in your life, if you could embrace this, if you could allow God to give you joy in the midst of hard times, would that make a difference at work? If you could allow God to, to work and to fill you up with joy, even when things don't go your way at home, would that make a difference to your spouse? Will that make a difference to your children, your parents? Yes. Yes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say it. Rejoice. God only can give us that supernatural joy. Third resource is unshakable trust. Unshakable trust. The story of Paul's life, it was these three missionary journeys. Over half the book of Acts is devoted to the three missionary journeys. Paul taking the the church he once tried to stamp out and planting it in city and region after region. Happened over 15 years. After that first missionary journey, things were going great. We read Acts 14, 27. On arriving there, they gathered the church together, reported all that God had done through them, and how he opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. Not only were they now reaching people with a Jewish background, a Jewish heritage, but now they're reaching people... Maybe from a pagan background or no belief system or multi polytheistic people. Uh, God was moving and the church was growing, but they needed to go to new places. So Paul had an idea of where he should go. You read in Acts chapter 16. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's where Paul wanted to go. Now Listen. We have and make our own plans sometimes independently of God, if we're honest, right? We, we make our plans because of the direction we want to go or the convenience and comfort of what we want. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Macedonia. Is toward Greece. And if you know, Paul, on that second missionary, went to places called Philippi and Thessalonica. He was not at that time to go to Asia. He thought that was the door he was supposed to go to. But God shut that door. Have any of us had doors shut that we wanted to go through? Have any of us had unexpected doors open? that we perhaps didn't expect? (laughs) I'll tell you, uh, back in 2005, I'd never heard of Warrensburg, Missouri. I'd always spent my life in Georgia or Tennessee. I was vice president at a Christian college down there, and uh, I really felt called I need to be back in the local church ministry, or at least strongly consider it. And so as I searched about different churches looking for ministers, uh, there was this church. Now, listen, I was 43 at that time. For the first time, we said, God, will go wherever you want us. Even if it's north of the Mason Dixon line. <laughs> even if it's outside of Georgia or Tennessee, which is where we'd always live, because our families still live in the Atlanta area. And we're close to them. We want to be around them. And so we said, we'll go wherever you want. And God brought us here. And what? In hindsight, I look back, it's the perfect place for us. The perfect place. My kids have thrived here. The church is thriving here. Listen, we're a small town in the Midwest. We should not have 1,230 people on a Sunday or a weekend, but God is working. And I just think, why did it take me 43 years to unshakably trust in God, to go through the door that God opened and not the one that I had planned for? Friends, don't wait. If you're younger than 43, don't wait. Don't be smarter than me. Don't doubt like me. Allow God to give you that kind of trust And God can do some amazing things. God takes us, we who are flawed and weak people, and he tells us in Acts 8, 28, if we trust him, God works all things together for the good of us who love him and are called according to his purpose. Unshakable trust. Paul models it for us. I wonder today, where could you trust more? I wonder today, perhaps... Where has your trust been shaken? I wonder today, what's God trying to speak to you? Fourth resource modeled by Paul. World-changing resource modeled by Paul. An unwavering companion. An unwavering companion. Now you might say, well, Barnabas was pretty unwavering. Silas was pretty unwavering. You see, the cast changed around Paul throughout these 15 years of missionary journey. But he had one. That was with him all the time. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And God will give us the same Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? We saw Alexis be baptized today. The scripture shows us when a person turns away. From being about them, to being about Christ, to putting him first. They realize and confess their sin. They repented that sin. They call on the name of the Lord to be saved. They're baptized. And what happens? Acts 2.38. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. That's the first thing that comes, the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will come to live inside of you to lead you, to fill you. Where do these supernatural resources come from that turn us from ordinary people into world changers? They come from the Holy Spirit coming to be our companion, coming to live with us, to lead us, to guide us. Jesus promised, John chapter 14, John chapter 14, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you, how long? Forever the spirit of truth, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Now, you read that and you think, why am I not making a bigger difference? I would guess, just like I was telling you, it took me 43 years to totally without boundaries give my trust to the Lord to take me where he needed. I would guess perhaps sometimes in your life you let the spirit drive while most of the time maybe he's in the back seat or he's in the trunk, right? Or maybe you let him ride on top. I don't know. The Bible calls that quenching the spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5.19 it says, Do not quench the spirit. What happens Quench is such a descriptive word. It's like when you're out and and maybe you're camping and you're trying to build a fire, you're cold and wet, and you you get it going and then somebody throws some water on it. That's what happens in our life. The reason we don't make the impact, the reason we don't make the the world-changing difference so often in our life is because we let him drive for a little while, but then we want to, you know, you stay back there. We don't fully utilize what God gives us. Into Thin Air is a book written by John Krakauer. It talks about the trials and travails of climbing Mount Everest, the highest mountain in the world. He talks about an expedition in May of 1996 where several climbers went, and they don't always make it. Sometimes the weather doesn't cooperate. Sometimes if they fall. Uh, bad things can happen to people climbing Mount Everest. But this particular group made it. And one of the expedition leaders was a man named Andy Harris. He wanted to stay a little longer. So he told the rest of the group going down, I'll I'll be fine. I'll make it down. They left oxygen tanks with him because at that high altitude, you have to have oxygen. Well, they left, and Andy Harris came down a little later. He started getting deprived of oxygen, lightheaded, dizzy. He radioed to camp. He said, I need some oxygen. These tanks I have are empty." And the other climbers, they radioed to them, and they said, did you leave them empty tanks?" No, those are full tanks. They're, he has everything he needs. And so they kept back and forth, with Andy Harris, these tanks are full of air. But see, when you get deprived of oxygen, it makes you not think correctly. It makes you not think right. And he kept saying, no, these are empty. Andy Harris has not been seen again. Body never found He had all that he needed, and yet he wouldn't use it. I wonder today, what plans and purposes does God have for you? And will you let him drive? Will you go through the doors that he opens? Will you have unstoppable commitment? Will you rejoice even when hard times come? Will you trust him no matter what? Will you allow his spirit to be your unwavering companion? If so, (laughs) I think there are life and world changers in this place. Father, as we think about these things today, I pray that we're not condemned, that guilt and shame are not our primary feelings. Instead, we see that you realize we're imperfect. You realize we can lose focus, we can become complacent, but you're interested in changing us today. You're interested in taking us today To use us to make a difference I pray today Father we're hearing your voice and we respond in Jesus name Amen it's ministry time if you have a decision to make maybe to become a Christian like Alexis did earlier maybe to join our church formally here we'd love to help you with that but I think decision times before all of us what kind of difference are you making if you're not making the difference you think you should why not And how can you this week? Let's stand together and sing. If you have a decision, please come.